0: Grid Forward Chats is supported by Virtual peaker Thanks for your support to make these conversations possible. Welcome to the next edition of Grid Forward Chats. I'm Bryce Yonker with Grid Forward. In this edition, we chat with Mary McClure, the president and CEO of Green Mountain Power in Vermont. Of course, my audio was not working, so here we're going to introduce our conversation and listen into what she had to share about.
1: So I, yeah, I started at uh, Green Mountain Power in 2010. I, uh, I'm, I'm a basketball player turned lawyer turned energy leader uh, who, you know, I think with a combination of preparation and a little luck. Uh, I was able to join GMP at a at a pretty wonderful time and uh, work on many different things over the years. Uh, and here I am now. Uh, so I did take over right uh, as the pandemic was getting started, and so my hundred day plan that I had uh, out of the gate was um, was trash pretty quickly. Uh, but uh, it's a fun group of people here in Vermont and and particularly at Green Mountain. So I'm I'm most definitely. Lucky.
0: The first question was really around who is Green Mountain Power, um, the customers they serve, the communities communities that they're in. So Mary gives us a good overview.
1: Yeah. So we we serve over seventy percent of Vermont, um, and our customers are homes and businesses really all over the state. So there there are very few places in Vermont that our service territory. Uh, doesn't touch or, or we aren't in. Um, so that gives us a really unique perspective, both um, in terms of what's happening in the state and um, organizationally. So um, we have about 270,000 customers, um, you know, most of which are residential, but many of which are um, commercial and industrial. And we have about 15 district offices and two headquarters uh, all throughout the state. So I like to think of us um, as one of the few organizations that is really a microcosm of what is happening in Vermont, um, both in terms of our employees and and in terms of our in terms of our customers. So it's been um, said that Vermont is a brave little state, and uh, it it most definitely has proven so true uh, over the last several years. So Vermonters are, are strong and working hard and uh, we have a lot, a lot of work to do at GMP to support them in that.
0: Next, I ask about the priorities there at the organization. How did they land on the focus areas that they're really trying to prioritize?
1: You know, really at the top of the list is addressing, you know, being a part of and addressing um, solutions for the climate crisis. That's been at the top of our list for, uh, you know, at least a decade now. Um, and I'd say that what's shifted uh, most recently is we, we, we were really focusing our portfolio, um, supply portfolio to our customers um, on renewable and clean energy. That's where we've been in really the last decade, providing um, low carbon, low cost and really reliable power to Vermonters. And we're still doing that. Uh, we're now 100% carbon-free uh, with with a goal we will reach to be 100% renewable by 2030. Um, and so layered on top of that now, uh, which has been the focus for the last several years, um, and one in which I think will prove out to be in our industry, um, one of the most transformational times uh, is is really introducing um home, community, and business based resilience uh, to the grid uh, in the form of distributed energy resources, in the form of um, really our customers experiencing a two-way grid versus the centralized one way grid that we've had for hundred plus years. So that that drives everything we do. Um, and you know really at the at the foundation of all of it is is our customers and what they uh, both what they tell us they want and also what we think would be helpful to improve their lives. And it all comes uh, really down to how do we help them uh, weather this climate crisis that we're, all, that we're all in, that we all share in.
0: Green Mountain Power has an ambitious decarbonization plan. So I asked Mary about the key building blocks to reach those goals.
1: So we've got, you know, um, we've got our eye on a couple things there. First, you know, we see a diversified mix of resources as really important to um, you know, getting to a place where us and other utilities around the country are 100% renewable. So it's, it's allowing interme- intermittent resources like solar, wind, hydro um, to really be your core supply and the big game changer for us uh, is the introduction of technologies uh, in the form of storage that will completely unlock um, our ability to be 100% renewable. And, you know, so that's sort of the first, the diversity question, the diversity of these resources. Um, solar does great for us uh, in the summer and during the day. Uh, wind does great for us um, in the winter. And hydro is really an all-around uh Resource for us uh, in Vermont, and um, both in terms of large uh, hydro facilities and um, the ones we have here in Vermont, um, and uh, that we own or operate, or that we participate in through a PPA. So, you know, the 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 storage piece of um, both at a grid level and at a distributed level, I think, will be um, you know immensely important to. As, as one of the building blocks on top of a diversified portfolio where you can actually really deliver clean um, n- and no fossil fuel energy to our, to our customers.
0: We recorded this conversation while Congress was finalizing the inflation reduction act. And I asked Mary how important federal resources are for their efforts and what kind of impact Inflation Reduction Act and other packages will have for the industry and for their efforts?
1: You know, I think when I take a look at that incredible, um, you know, really historic um, funding and, you know, some we've actually even had over the last several years, both in the state or federally. um, I think that it is massively important to help, uh, Low and moderate income Americans, low and moderate income Vermonters have access uh, to these clean technologies, whether it's in the form of electric vehicle or in the form of um, electrification of their heating. So, I think at a consumer level, um, if we if we're going to meet our goals that that really are imperative that we meet uh, to address greenhouse gas emissions and the climate crisis. Um, uh, we're going to need that type of funding um, for for so many uh, people at a very, at a consumer level. And then I also think uh, to support the electrification of transportation and heating, which in Vermont, those are the two big ones. Um, uh, electricity has uh, here in Vermont and, and in New England is, you know, relatively clean, um, one of the cleanest in the country. And transportation and heating lead the way for us for greenhouse gas emissions. And so if we're going to Uh, support the electrification of other industries. I think, um, you know, we've got to have a strong backbone to support that in terms of our transmission, um, in terms of our grid. And I think, you know, I think we get there through programs like that come from the federal government that help uh, move this along for both consumers and uh, grid operators.
0: Mary has already covered a number of the key areas in motion, but I ask about the grid modernization top plans and how that helps prioritize what they should be investing on for their system.
1: I'd say like there's two, I'd break it into two pieces. There's, there's reliability and there's resiliency. So when we think about our grid here and modernizing it, if you go into the reliability bucket, what you'll find us working on are things like undergrounding, um, Uh, undergrounding wires, undergrounding distribution circuits that in Vermont are very vulnerable to uh, trees, to wind. Um, Vermont is a very rural state. Uh, We only have a few urban centers. For the most part, we're very rural. Um, Many customers uh, are spread out um, throughout the state and, and we might have circuits with just a few customers on them. And so you know, undergrounding and, and storm hardening our existing grid um, will be, uh, you know, including adding technologies to the grid, uh, uh, you know, automatic reclosers and things like that. The, that is an extremely important piece of grid modernization. Um, I think, secondly, you've got the resiliency piece and that, that I think, in, in terms of the things we're working on there, are adding distributed uh, uh, resources throughout And that's where you'll see the grid move from a one-way centralized grid to one where uh, um, assets are distributed and it's very decentralized and customers are both engaging with the grid and modernizing the grid um, with, with, with cars, um, with solar and storage, um, with resiliency zones throughout Vermont that um, can, we can island. And that, you know, suddenly, when you when you combine those two things—the greater grid and the reliability—with the decentralized, um, distributed assets, uh, utilities suddenly become uh, technology companies, and that's where we really see ourselves uh, moving when we when we think in terms of grid modernization.
0: Grid Forward Chats is supported by Virtual Peaker. Virtual Peaker is a distributed energy software company that empowers utilities to build the grid of the future now and meet deep decarbonization goals. The company's cloud platform unifies all aspects of the distributed management, enhancing customer engagement, load forecasting, and more. Thanks to a recent funding round, Virtual Peaker is expanding its engagements with utilities who are leading the transformation of the grid. For more information, visit virtual peakercom Green Mountain Power is charging the way with some interesting resiliency solutions. So I ask about the lessons they're taking from the projects they have in motion.
1: Yeah, so we've we've been working within a um, framework where we're able to pilot, uh, and, and I feel very lucky uh, that we have this in Vermont. This is... Um, you know, for Vermont's a really small state, but we're full of innovators, and that happens, uh, I think, both uh, in organizations like GMP. It happens with our regulators. It happens with uh, the renewable energy community. We're full of people innovating around uh, many of these concepts, and um, uh, I think we're really lucky to to operate within that structure. And so we've been working with home storage solutions for a really long time. In fact, it's part, uh, now it's part of our of our service to our customers. It's no longer a pilot. It's built into what we do. Um, and so first and foremost, we have our like home energy storage, people that have Tesla Powerwalls or other types of, um, resiliency in their homes. They may have solar, they may not. Um, but uh, that particular program uh, helps in a number of ways. One in, one is it provides resilience to the customer if they need it in, ter- in, a, in an event of an outage. It also uh, helps the greater grid on peak days uh, and we're able to uh, dispatch uh, our fleet of batteries. So that's one that that's just a, an, an incredible program that um, Uh, Our customers have seen millions of dollars of benefits in, in addition to, uh, you know, cleaner, um, you know, better resilience in their homes than, say, you know, a diesel generator or something that Vermonters, many Vermonters need or have. Um, That's one way. I think the one that we're, 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 so we're growing those programs, but the one I'm most excited about now um, is with the, you know, major takeoff in electric um, vehicle sales uh, over the last year, and listening to these electric vehicle manufacturers launch, um, really, what's tremendous goals in terms of their offerings for electrification of their vehicles. You know, in within ten years or so, um, you know that that's a tremendous opportunity. I mean, those are just rolling virtual power plants, and uh, that's a tremendous opportunity to bring resilience to our customers' homes, to bring resilience to uh, communities and also provide um, uh, provide benefits to the grid and to all of all of our customers. So, those two, you know, the the home storage, but also this this vehicle to grid, this vehicle to home uh, technology, I think is is really going to be a game changer for decentralizing um, and demonetizing um, uh, resilience for 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 the whole country, really, but particularly for Vermont.
0: Then we dive a bit deeper and I ask how the program interfaces with the customers to add grid flexibility and resiliency.
1: We were an electric distribution utility, uh, you know, many years ago, we became an energy transformation company over the last decade. And we're headed to becoming a technology company that happens to to deliver energy. Um, Over time, I could see that you know, technology is really providing and optimizing the system. So, in a world where, like, moonshot, every Vermonter uh, has solar on their roof and storage in their home, whether in in the form of a uh, uh, residential storage or in form of a car. Um, you know, we, w- we would be the ones coordinating that all together, but it would happen through technological means, uh, maximizing it and making it more efficient. So we're, we're talking about distributed energy resource management systems that are very smart and are able, very dynamic and are able to um, uh, know when the right time is to optimize those resources.
0: Then we look a bit forward around what's the next phase of the offerings that they are going to plan to take to their communities?
1: You know, there's a few things. I, I, you know, as I mentioned before, we we see ourselves as, you know, really a, a technology company now. Um, and whereas before, you know, we were an electricity company that happened to use technology, we're now a technology company that happens to deliver electricity. Um, I, you know, I, th- I see us as uh, a coordinator and I see us as a connector um, for communities and for the state so that we can optimize economically um, what these technologies are going to be able to provide. And so, you know, down the road, um, and even I think now, starting now, uh, you know, our customers that are participating in these programs see us as um, you know, providing energy services and don't see us necessarily in the old school utility model where we just provide a a bill with a kilowatt hour and a customer charge on it. Um, they see us as, you know, really being the integrator of what they have in their home with the rest of the community and the rest of the state. Um, so that's, that, that comes in, in many different forms, including, uh, what, what is the meter? I mean, do we, right now, our meter sits on the side of homes and that really delineates um, uh, the, where the relationship uh, to the customer ends. And we've been thinking quite a bit about, and, and we even piloted a program for a while, we called it the resilient home or the meterless home, where, um, you know, the delineation, our relationship might move to the panel, for example. Uh, and there would be, um, you know, smart panels. We've, we piloted a program recently with using spans panels. Um, and we're really the ones coordinating everything in the home. It's a centralized location for everything you have in your home at your panel. And you're using your device to control the load within your home. Uh, and it's all connected together to the to the greater grid. And so that's something we see in the coming years Um as an important moment for us to decide, uh, you know, really what's next for us and how do we help our customers optimize the technologies they have available to them.
0: And we dive into the future of EVs and what it means for the Green Mountain Power Grid.
1: So we, uh, we look at it a little differently. We've, we've taken a look at our system and certainly there will be some Transformers here or there. Like we have looked at everybody in Vermont gets an EV tomorrow. What does it do to our system? Um, and there's transformers here and there. We'd have to upgrade and some things like that. But nothing um, particularly. Uh, th- there's nothing particularly alarming to us about that because if we do it right, the the load uh, is coming on in a way that it's that it's controllable. So you've got um, uh, you really have demand management happening in a much more robust way. Uh, and that, that's on us to, to solve that. Um, and I think it's on all utilities to be thinking about that and to be thinking about their role in managing the grid very different than what, what load uh, additions were like 50 years ago um, uh, we have the ability to do a lot of different stuff with technology that optimizes the grid and 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 we we just we really should be figuring that out versus focusing on you know traditional ways of looking at it. And so we've, you know with the flexible man, with the demand management, with flexible loads, with uh, controllability, um, we really, you know we aren't too worried about it. What we are worried about, um, and particularly in Vermont, uh, is is actually the home being ready for the electrification. Um, and, and that's something we're working on in real time now to see how we can help Vermonters, um, solve that challenge in Vermont. Many panels are 60 amps or hundred amps or 150 amps. Um, and bringing a level two charger into that type of, um, service or electrifying their heat, adding heat pumps, or maybe they, they get rid of, uh, their fossil fuel heating altogether um, presents a challenge uh, and a cost to the to the homeowner uh, to upgrade that service, and I think that's where we'll find, at least for us, that's where we'll find um, the biggest challenge is actually in the home, and it's not necessarily the challenge uh, at the grid level.
0: Then we dive a bit deeper around the forward leaning aspects of vehicle to grid solutions that they're thinking about.
1: Yep, we've got um, we have a, a vehicle-to-grid charger out in our uh, parking lot of one of our um, headquarters here. We think it was uh, one of the first ones to go in in the country, and we've uh, we've learned a lot from that. We have we have a one of our GMP pulled vehicles plugged into it, um, and we've been using our uh, energy management systems to. Um, uh, introduce uh, that energy onto the grid when we need it. Uh, it also charges from the grid uh, uh, at other times. And so we're testing that now and feeling really good about it. In the last peak event, we used uh, we used that the battery in that. Uh, so we're really piloting already programs for vehicle to grid. And uh, we've got uh, all, almost all of the manufacturers we've made contact with, some of car manufacturers, some of which uh, we've actually had into our uh, headquarters here um, to work on uh, when they roll out these vehicles and they're rolling out their charging networks and they're making decisions that they're thinking about and talking to us about the best ways to integrate those vehicles into the grid. Um, and so I'd say that vehicle to grid and vehicle to home um, technologies is really at the top of our list of of what we think is important. Um, for utilities to be working on over the next five to 10 years. In addition to many, many other things, but uh, vehicle to grid and vehicle to home, I think has a massive opportunity for utilities to, um, to be a part of uh, solutions for their customers there.
0: As we near the end of the conversation, I ask about how we get the necessary diversity of talent to bring the people power that meet the needs of the day for both their system and the industry in general.
1: Yeah, there's a few. You know, like there's a few things. I think when it comes to some some of the more traditional roles um, that utilities have or that our industry has. So think line workers and um, substation um, uh, operations folks or power production workers. Um, you know, there's a lot or, or system operators, control center operators. Uh, you know, those. Those roles tend to be um, tend to tend to be the same type of person in them, and we've been working really hard. And I think you've got to you've got to go all the way back to the beginning, really start uh, encouraging um, uh, different types of people to get into those fields of work. Um, and so we've been working with schools, we've been working with. Um, you know, trade organizations to start really early, like attracting um, you know youth to things that you know maybe they haven't thought of or seen because you know they they look different or um, they're from somewhere different than um, what you would traditionally find. So that's one thing we've got to get. We've just got to do that work um, to introduce more people at a younger age to these fields, um, and that's a longer term. Obviously, a longer-term uh, solution to getting more diversity and to getting, um, you know, different types of people doing different types of things. Um, in the near term, I think that it, I think that the traditional way of thinking at in energy and at utilities um, isn't going to get it done. And same with the traditional types of cultures. So you've got to uh, really take a hard look at culture uh, no matter where you are in this field and start addressing uh, creativity and innovation and dealing with the fact that historically we can come from a place of no in utilities and in the energy industry Um, and well this is how we've always done it so this is how we're going to do it and um, that's not going to get it done and it's going to it's not gonna result in having uh, very happy or satisfied customers. And so we've got to work on, um, I think as an industry, we've got to work on uh, attracting people who actually aren't in it, um, new and different ways of thinking, innovators, entrepreneurs, um, folks like that. Uh, and, and that'll accelerate, um, I think the transition.
0: And the closing topic is around grid transformation. It's a significant, endeavor and so we ask what solutions do we really need to accelerate to have this go effectively
1: so i think we need uh i think massive disruption of from technology is what i see uh in the near term if you look at technologies around us i mean even just our smartphones we have in our hands they weren't around 15 years ago um and so 10 years from now is not that far away. And between now and then, uh, I think there will be continued massive disruption from from technology in the energy industry, specifically uh, with with utilities. And so as a wider industry, we have got to pay attention to uh, technologies and we have to incorporate them uh, into what we do uh, for our customers. It's it's the way we will unlock uh, a cleaner, more resilient, future for our customers so that's that's what comes to mind you know as whether it's electric vehicles or it's or it's battery storage or it's grid modernization or it's undergrounding um, managing vegetation through drones or ai or lidar um, you know there's all different ways to look at how technology can improve our operations and improve our delivery of service to our customers and i think if utilities and energy companies aren't doing it you somebody else will for you uh, with your customer, and I, and I think that would be a big uh, loss if if that happened. Um, so, got to get, re- got to embrace the technology.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Grid Forward Chats. If you're interested in Grid Forward membership and our work to accelerate grid modernization and energy innovation, including the backlog of our podcast, visit us at gridforward.org. If you like the podcast, please share it with your friends and colleagues and give us a rating on your favorite podcast app.